1: I'm your radio, radio show! I'm
2: your radio, radio show! Welcome along to the 909 Podcast. On this week's episode, we're going to be talking to Maverick Sabre backstage. We'll be reviewing Anderson Pack's fourth album, Ventura, his second in six months. And we'll be looking at uh, songs and uh, giving our critical takes on songs from uh, Courtney Barnett and Beck and much, much more. Andrea Cleary is beside me. Hello, how are you? Hey, how are we? Good. Um, So we are broadcasting live from Dublin City, DC. Too real. Uh, It is... No, there's a lot of chatter at the moment about Fontaines. We had our talk about it two two weeks ago. At this point, yeah, um, but, but also
0: about ten minutes ago, so we said, fuck
2: "Yeah, it. I guess with the album out now, people are starting to talk about it a lot more." There's a, was a Pitchfork review this week, um, or uh, today, in mm. fact, that um, you know, further put the narrative back into. What were the words exactly? Well, I was talking about girl bands and the, uh, the girl band, the band, uh, and uh, as a reference point for the band and uh, referenced an interview that Grian Chatten, the singer, gave about uh, Dublin. And I think it's like what's annoying people currently is not the band themselves, but the way that when you take music from a certain place outside of its context, that's exactly what happens. The context all gets lost. All the other bands they're doing things get lost. Um, Everything is just reduced to this like vision of Dublin that doesn't even exist. And it's not nothing, it's no problem of the band really. I mean, yeah, they wrote some lyrics about the band, about Dublin and what's going on from their perspective but um, I think it's a fine decent record that they've released but the amount of hype around it now I don't even know if it's necessarily hype, but it's just like the narrative, right?
0: Yeah, I think they're suffering at the moment from a problem that we tend to have in in music journalism, especially in modern music journalism, where everything kind of has to be either a take or a moment or in, indicative of something um, unique, where, you know, you, you take a band like Fontaine's DC, who are making, by all accounts, very good music. But you're trying to kind of find this narrative, and you're trying to find what their place is within Irish cultural history, and the band does have its place there, but it's not as a you know uh, they're they're not overhauling Irish music and uh, you know starting this new new wave of funk. So they in, in in that Pitchfork article, I think the thing that was bothering people today was the. Um, the the quote from it, which was actually originally in their um interview with Noisy, um where the the, the quote is before that, the uh, b- before uh girl band, the only way to sound Irish was to be fucking diddly diddly eye. Um they modernized Irish music massively. So it's I think that's that's where my issue lies with it because you know we're obviously more than fiddles and girl band. Um, and I, that's that's kind of what was bothering me. Now that, I don't know, I was, I was saying to you earlier, if the quote is taken out of context, then that's irresponsible journalism. If the quote isn't taken out of context, then it's a pretty bad way to represent your country, especially if you're a band who's trying to represent Dublin and Ireland um, in a very kind of specific way
2: Yeah but you know like it's not it, it, we it's been a long time since we've had somebody that like can represent an entire city in a musical fashion, and, and that doesn't God. happen anymore. Thank God we is don't it, we don't have anybody yeah. who
0: represents Ireland. Thank God we don't have one Irish sound. I think it would be a very bleak place to be writing about music yeah. if we had one band that summed up what it was like to be Irish. But you know? is
2: it like are we applying old fashioned uh, ideals to something that is just not relevant anymore in terms of like okay that's something that uh, Green in the interview said. Mm. Uh, that was just something he said in an interview. It wasn't like just one perception of it. And yeah. there is that. Like you know, let's be honest, when you go around the world and you sit in a taxi somewhere in around the world and they go, Oh, Ireland, oh of course, you too, like you still get yeah, a lot of that. And like, do. they're not gonna be saying Fontaine's DC anytime soon in ter- in those terms. No. But like mainstream terms. But um,
0: But it's it's the same way that if it's if if you're talking to somebody who's who's unaware of hip hop, they'll just say Oh, is that you know all this you know shooting and like gangster rap and stuff? It's it's so easy to take a- any kind of cultural group, um, and and say that there's 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 one way to do it, or that somebody that's doing something new and interesting is it's the first time it's ever happened that something new and interesting has happened. I I I, ju- I just think it it sort of it, it minimizes the extent to which Irish music has grown over the past like like 2010 years um and the the sheer kind of vastness and um the the differences that we have here I just think it's 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 Everyone silly. loves a
2: good story, though. That's it, right? Yeah, Everyone but loves it's a good silly story. to
0: think that there's that that there was trad music and then there was girl band and now we can finally start playing guitars here in Ireland. And it's
2: uh, yeah, I, but don't, I don't think that's that's not what they were saying either. I I'm don't
0: sure. know. I mean, saying saying the like, but before girl band, the only way to sound Irish was to be diddly eye. That's Maybe it's pretty comprehensive.
2: Yeah, but interviews can be edited as well. You don't know what the context was. Yeah, that's for him to lead to that statement. Yeah, Uh, but regardless of that, there's then other. uh, I've seen a lot of chatter about like the band not being like the things we talked about not being authentic. Mm. Certainly, you could say that about some of the members, but like, I don't know. I'm just a bit bored of that argument now. To be honest, me
0: too. I think. I think you can either like, um, and the
2: idea that these people sorry people say they're punk and all this kind of stuff. Do they say they're punk? I don't even know. Like
0: I don't know if they say they're punk. I I I think the, sa- the same people that kind of praise their authenticity to the the Dublin sound, whatever this Dublin sound is, are the same people who say that they're punk because they're just trying to draw parallels between the authenticity that's you know, pre- pre- present in, in punk music and always has been and the Fontaine's DC. But I, th- I think there's, there's just in, in every conversation around it, there's so much reduction to a take. Yeah. And I think that that's as much a problem with music journalism. It's as much a problem with Twitter and this kind of reactionary culture that we live in now, where if, if, well a if, if you don't like something you're begrud- you're begrudging because you know i we're a nation of begrudgers etc it's like no you're you're allowed to criticize something that's absolutely fine um but i i, I also don't think that um, I, I also i also don't think that you know saying the album is anything less than a decent album is is fair you know it's it's clearly meant a lot to a lot of people and it's clearly spoken to a lot of people. It hasn't spoken to me in the same way that it's spoken to, you know, p- people who are reviewing it for Pitchfork, The Guardian, The Irish Times, like the like, there's been a lot of very high profile praise for this band. And I, I can't ignore that, but I also can't pretend that this album is changed my life or made me see Dublin yeah. in a new way or anything you know.
2: No that's that's a lot to put on a new band as well. Absolutely you know, like, it and is. I, I had it on the car a few days ago uh, I was going out to do Across the Line and they were asking me to talk about the album uh, a bit and it was like oh, I hadn't listened to it in a while in a few days because you know I just got a bit sick of it because mm. at this point I was like okay I need some break from that. Yeah. Put it on the car because I hadn't heard it in the car yet and I was like I really like this it's really good yeah it's a really good album and yeah it's I think what what gets me about like that chatter around the Fontaines is that like let's be honest like they're not doing anything different. No, they're not doing anything different. The there are songs on there that sounds like old eighties um, indie rock music. It's cool, fine, but like let's not like say they're anything they're not. Yeah. Like they're, and they and they write a good story uh, about Dublin and, and lyrics about Dublin and that's cool. I'm, yeah. I'm happy enough with that. Like I don't need. Uh, our hopes and dreams pinned on the Fontaine's DC. There's absolutely like they're one band in many. So let's just remember that. I think yeah. the other th- the other thing about this is that because they're an independent band and not an obvious like mainstream band like maybe Hosier or Picture This that people kind of feel like it's a bit closer to them especially the kind mm. of people who are on Twitter. Yes. <laughs> you know who are like oh I can't believe this this doesn't represent the Irish music scene. It was like course, it doesn't. But it nothing,
0: does, nothing represents the Irish music scene. If
2: nothing represents any music scene anywhere in the world. Absolutely. Like, you know, like, like the, yes, there are strands of things that are popular at certain points, and there's things that uh, emerge at the same time. But like, yeah. that's it is. But I mean,
0: is. I I challenge anybody to get to tell me an artist that represents rap right now or pop right now or you know it, it, there's. Billie Eilish, well, yeah. <laughs> For Do <everything>. I win? <laughs> she just represents twenty nineteen. But it it really would be a sorry state of affairs if we had to hang our cultural identity on one band. And I th- I think that's really what the problem with that pitchfork, um, article today was was that it was just, it was very kind of, it ju- it 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 just brought everything down to this one take and. Like I said, that's as much a problem with modern music journalism as it is with anything else.
2: Right, yeah. Um, funny, like, and that's just... the tea. <laughs> <laughs> we're getting a lot of talk about it. Um, I mean, yeah. like Unmalady called it an instant classic uh, this week. You know? I, I um, can't
0: say that I agree with that.
2: But I think she sees it as really representative of a Dublin and, and the what's going on here yeah. in contrast to the tech companies and, mm. and rents and all that kind of stuff Yeah Like I'm not I'm not
0: saying when when I say I don't agree with that I'm not, I'm not saying I don't think But then the again that's a story
2: stand... That's a story It you is know, like, yeah That's a story and it's a good, t- good story to tell
0: But um, I think I think the album will culturally stand the test of time but I don't know whether that's because of its contents or because of the
2: conversations around it
1: Yeah
2: um, But you know conversations are being generated there's very few albums like we were talking about in contrast like Kojak's Daily Daydreams from last year to me, says a lot about Dublin, but without like having to be this. We're pinning your ho- our hopes on you. Absolutely, like, it's a it's a it's a personal narrative, mm-hmm. like, and it's a it's a conceptual artwork about a Delhi worker, yeah. in the city, you yeah. know. But it's not; it's lighter on details. Well, perhaps, I but-
0: I saw a a lot more of. And, I, I, you know, it's it's not entirely fair to, you know, co- contrast one album with, with another. But in terms of representations of Dublin, I found a lot more to connect with on Kojak's album than I did on Fontaine CC's album. Yeah, um, it's, I
2: think, you know, if we we're going to get deeper into it, you know, there are there is posturings of old and tradition and rock buried into what they do mm-hmm. and the way that they dress and the way that they look. And that is inauthentic to people. Yeah. You know, yeah, that's a part of it. You know, um, and and
0: it, it harks back to a time when the it, only people that were that were kind of visibly playing guitars and being lauded for being rock artists were men. Yeah, and whereas I've I found in in Kojak's album, just so and it, it being a concept album helps, and there being kind of characters and stuff, but there was just so there was way more varied points of view within it. Whereas I feel with um. Fontaine CC album it's just this kind of one point of view and this one vignette of Dublin now which is fine but I don't think that one point of view a representation of Dublin makes you know mm. um, yeah it's it's a strange one it's it's it's, it's, it's I, I always find it very strange when when there's more talk about the talk around an album than the actual album itself. Yeah. I haven't, I, I, any, like conversations I've had with people about this album, like t- 10% of them have been about the songs, you know, no, yeah. no, no one's told me what their favorite song from the album is or what their favorite line from the album is. Um, apart from our our chat a couple of weeks ago with, with pillow Queens, but it's mostly, <laughs> you're either for or against or you're for or against this take
2: everything is binary absolutely yeah and that's just the one take or not yeah you know especially with albums the other thing is that uh, that changes all the time and your opinion changes and then everything you know like you can enjoy something more a few weeks later than you Mm -hmm. did a few weeks or years that. later. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, anyway, well, we stopped talking about the Fontaines for now. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Let's. let's do that. Uh, but speaking of pillow queens, <laughs> um, they were on because we had an old ages gig on Saturday and they headlined the gig. It was a fucking brilliant gig. Yay. It was so nice. It was such a lovely afternoon. Um, we had, it was a genuine all-ages experience. It was like families, teenagers, like Pillow Queens had about... What like, was
0: like the youngest and oldest?
2: Youngest, I saw like a, a baby who couldn't walk for at some oh. point. Um, who uh, We've all been there at gigs. Yeah. <laughs> um, a baby being carried. <laughs> We've all been there as well. <laughs> We've all been there um, uh, There was an people in their 50s like parents and um there was people in their 40s there was uh, young parents um all ages really like that's literally great. all ages and just, that's what I wanted I wanted that mix of people and not just like a teen gig and yeah. uh, it was just really nice and pillow queens especially had a, a strong following of uh, teen Girls mostly, yeah, um, who were up the front giving it socks. And it's just really nice to see like people having like doing their first indie sway at a gig and just looking really comfortable and happy and. Uh, God knows, it was brilliant. He got the crowd involved and uh, had some interactivity going on as well. Tebe Rex was a great way to start. It just really nice, and then Squarehead as well. Uh, really, really great um, set, and just really nice to see like Good. kids having their first gig experience. I'd love to do it again. Financially, it is uh, difficult, as I said before, but um, mm. so we'd probably need some support for that. But uh, yeah, it was great. I'd love to do it again. Awesome. So I was really happy with that. Um, but. Uh, what uh what were you up to over the weekend? So I went
0: to this really cool new club on Friday night. Oh yeah, sure, I saw you. It was um <laughs> it was Yeah, w- really hip, really cool, really good tunes. Yeah, okay. Um yeah, Thanks, so I Andrea, went yes. I went to Lost Lane on um Friday night for Spacer.
2: Yeah, so that was our launch night for, for the Spacer Club, which was uh Yeah, you were there, you was good, I was, right?
0: Bopping away. Do you know, I haven't been out in a really, this sounds really lame, but I haven't been out in a really long time, like out dancing. And I went with my pals, and from the minute we got there, we just didn't stop dancing. We had a Great night, lovely crowd, chatting to loads of people. Everybody seemed really excited that the place was open again. Yeah. Um, just yeah, ha- having really like those, it. those really adult conversations with people just being like and yeah it's so central and (laughs) it's just easy to get to you know because you don't because I I don't like going up to Harcourt Street oh no me neither no I wouldn't go up there (laughs) you know just those really grown-up conversations but um yeah, very, very lovely night And then for the rest of the weekend I was watching The Game of the Thrones um, Yes, we will I'm
2: Let's keep that discussion For yes. the very end of yep. the episode I think for the next six weeks Everything uh, Every end of the episode Is going to be a game. We'll, we'll corner off
0: our spoilers At the yes. end we'll, gi- we'll give you
2: fair so we'll, warning We'll keep that till the end of the episode So uh, if you're interested in that You will find yeah. that there um, What else happened over the weekend? Well, Coachella was the, Is the big festival I wasn't
3: um,
0: there Unfortunately no. But
2: luckily we don't have to be there anymore yeah, Because it's the
0: festival for the YouTube generation Yeah I saw <laughs> Well
2: you know I felt like that on Sunday I was watching oh, Excuse me Hitting myself in the face with the microphone <laughs> um, I was watching a lot of the YouTube live streams They had like a rolling like 24 hour kind of uh, No like three and a half hour four hour um, stream from the festival And they had a playlist, a timetable, all that kind of stuff I saw pretty much all of like Billy Giles' set Tame Impala Some other bits in there, like um, just bits of everything. There's stuff on YouTube as well. I saw some Blackpink, the Korean pop band, who were pretty, uh, my niece in America loves them and uh, her favorite band. She's got all her friends into them. That's wow. great. But it was just like weird to see. Like Coachella is that thing. It's just like it's not a regular festival. It doesn't I don't think I'd want to go there because it's no. in the desert. It feels like um, a conference for influencers. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know? But I think it's like that VIP thing and then I have like we were looking it up earlier just to make sure like there's essentially drink designated drinking areas so it's totally the opposite to an Irish festival. You yeah. can't go to a gig with a, with a pint in your hand. Um and that's kind of alien. For us really it, isn't it? Yeah um, And that
0: might be more of a problem with us Than anything else Maybe But we'll, that's a different conversation But it's just like It's like a cult,
2: It's like a completely different vibe To yeah. what we get And I think there is The only way If you want to watch a gig You have to pay for a VIP experience mm-hmm. To like be in an area Where they do serve booze You know You're like Okay weird Yeah um, But it was an interesting thing It's just like It feels like Almost like a trailer The biggest Like The trailers for all of the upcoming um appearances at festivals this summer from some of the biggest acts. Mm. You got the likes of like Town Palo doing a, a headline set. That's one thing that was really interesting because they when they were announced for Coachella, people were like, they're not a headline band. Yeah. Turned out they're probably not, um, but they're pleasant enough to get away with it.
0: I feel like Tame Impala should be like an, an indoor experience.
2: Yeah, look, I, I saw them at Forbidden Fruit and I really enjoyed it because I enjoyed the fact that they basically put everything through a filter mm. and everything had this like psychedelic washover, which makes sense for the band. Uh, at their set uh, at Coachella, Kevin Parker seemed... P- uncomfortable with being up there at that level yeah like you could sense some awkwardness when he was like like they played let it happen first and some you know confetti and then he's like confetti, now what do i do yeah confetti cans and stuff going off it's like all right you ready <laughs> <laughs> that was an english accent um, but yeah there was a great piece actually from jeff weiss in uh the fader this week awesome. and i can't disagree with him but that's the thing that's the funny thing so i'm gonna read some of it out because i really enjoyed it um in the spot once filled by Prince, Guns N' Roses, Radiohead and Paul McCartney, there was Tame Impala, who fittingly played with the enthusiasm of a sedated woodlands creature. There's nothing to dislike about Tame Impala. That's their greatest attribute. <laughs> They're as pleasant as a target lava lamp, CBD oil in band form. Pink Floyd, without the point. A friend of a friend murmured, I feel like I've seen them a bunch of times with Coachella, but I guess I've never seen them. At three different points during their set, I forgot they were playing. (laughs) This is coming from someone who likes and Impala. I'm just baffled at how they've become the biggest rock and roll band of the decade. Their first album, Inner Speaker, is a modern psychedelic classic. So it's a worth reading. It's on the fader. It's a. Uh, it's like here's somebody who likes the band and can't it's really
0: quite, accurate quite, can't well.
2: quite see why they're like where they are. And yeah. I actually, I don't read either as much as I like them. I'm just like, how did they get there? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Um, but it was it was an impressive stage setup and it has all of the psychedelic tropes and things that they uh, have used as their artworks and mm. like globes and spheres mm. and. You know, psychedelic colors. Um,
0: Whoopi, lava
2: lamps. Yeah, and... totally that vibe. Totally yeah. that vibe. Elsewhere, I saw a bit of um, the likes of uh, Jean Actually, you can watch one of her things on really YouTube. That was really good. Really, um, really good. Saw a bit of Mac DeMarco, just like laid back summer sun vibes. It was mm. good. Um, Tierra Whack was didn't really come across well on what I saw. It was a, a bit, bit
0: nervous. Or yeah, something.
2: A bit, it seemed a bit flat. A bit
0: off the beat as well. I think just, her mm. her
2: flow is so individual that it's hard. For, maybe it was hard to translate in a live setting.
0: Maybe you yeah,
2: because like she has loads of things going on and and her flow is so like it is idiosyncratic. Yeah. So when you're on a mic boom and not a festival like Coachella, it can be yeah. Quite different.
0: I could I couldn't imagine kind of dancing along with her set. Um the thing that I kind of noticed when I was watching, and I, I I didn't watch the live stream, I just kind of picked a few um performances and watched them was um I saw Pusha like during the day just kind of rapping over the track, and I was like a bit unimpressed. Like the the song is so good that I was like, okay, great, this looks like really fun. But then right afterwards, I watched an Monet and I was like, the the difference
2: here is... He did the standard rap set. Yeah, he, did, he didn't. Yeah, he didn't do anything else.
0: Nothing else. But I feel like that's um and and then um, friend of the show. We hope someday Lizzo, uh, was also fantastic, and there there was just kind of a lot more, um. Performance In a lot of the women That I saw there Compared to the men
2: You should have a look If you can Of, of the Blackpink stuff Cause just because Like they are a pop band Right mm. um, But the sheer amount Of people dancing on the stage Was like bewildering You're Yeah like, Oh how many is actually In the band Is like that band BTS Who were on SNL last week Like there's seven of them mm. But like Then there's backing dancers You're like Oh I don't know Actually maybe Like how many are in this band Yeah At all Like it was just a Like a so solid crew Kind of Pop situation. explosion <laughs> yeah. Relentless dancing Pop explosion Okay I, I will mean, watch that Yeah it was interesting to watch Um, And then What else did we watch Oh Billie yeah. Irish I watched pretty much Half Maybe half the set Of Billie yeah. Irish
0: Yeah So and she was, was a half an hour late And there was a lot of yeah, Talk well, and buzz and The whole all that kind of stuff.
2: festival Seemed to have a lot of issues In terms of sound problems And uh, mm. apparently uh, Nicki Minaj and Ariana Grande Had monitor issues during Yeah Someone's Mike wasn't on um, um, been was Staples actually yeah. during um, Billy Irish and Lizzo as well had issues as yeah. well and maybe I was just thinking about this like the the huge productions that they put on especially for this festival mm. more than they would their regular shows so there's bound to be issues Um but I don't know why Th- that this happens. year it seemed like issues across the board yeah pretty so, much yeah. Under. um but Billy Irish that was really interesting it was like it did feel quite intimate for a big like she had the pa- crowd in the palm of her hand yeah. all singing along. But just, uh, you know, her and her brother Phineas, that was it. And it definitely felt like I had, I think I saw a Variety tweet something about this and we were like, um, you know, it felt like a club show yeah. before she graduated. And It was like, yeah, it did feel like that. Yeah. It did really feel like this small stage. She yeah. made this very like small. Like you were catching
0: something before yeah. it was big, but it's already, at Coachella. Like yeah. it's, it's insane. And I, I think it's really impressive how she manages to keep that sort of, um, authentic kind of oh well i'm i'm just making music you know that that thing which i, I do actually think is authentic i, I don't think it's like pseudo authentic or anything but um yeah I, I i thought her set was really interesting and really kind of and i know it's 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 probably boring at this stage to keep coming back to her age but like she she went toe to toe with some of the biggest names for you know performance of the festival um
2: like she was, she was properly brilliant. Yeah, the Friday night headliner was Childish Gambino, and I didn't see I didn't any catch of it. That. No, because I had a busy Friday and Saturday. Yes. But um, I did see the film that he debuted on the Coachella live did stream you? along with Amazon Prime. So himself and Rihanna earned it. It was called Guava mm-hmm. Island, Yeah. Uh, directed by the same director as Atlanta, uh, Hiro Murai. Uh It was kind of this odd it kind of felt like it was a disney movie almost oh
1: okay. it was really strange
2: it was like 50 minutes long mm-hmm. so it was like a somewhere between a film and a promotional like music video but mm-hmm. it had a story he's playing a character he sang a he like he did this is america but he did it in the context of of this script so the whole whole plot of the movie is this guy is like an up and coming um Artist, a musician on the island of Guava Island, wherever this is, mm-hmm. um, and everyone there, uh, mind like makes silk, and that's what they all work in factories. And he's the one that's like trying to, you know, up, break out. uprise people and like lift them up and stuff. And turns up at the factory, and like one of his friends is like, "Oh, I want to go. Like, I want to, I want to move to America." And he's like, "America is a state of mind. America, and, yeah, this is then, America." And then he starts into, and actually, it's very Does impressive. Does it work? Yeah, it works because it's very impressive the way they do it. Okay, they use some of the like factory um, floor and uh, like buttons on and off. Oh, as kind yeah. of
0: beats and stuff.
2: No, no, as a like a, as a, a cue to turn to start dancing and not and stop dancing. Oh, cool. And it works quite well, um, but it's very strange. And then it's it's very slight. Like Rihanna's in it as his girlfriend, but she's barely in it. Okay. And does she sing in it? No. No, she's, she works in the factory. That's mm. basically all she does. And uh, the actress from Black Panther, whose name I can't remember, um, who plays his sister in Black Panther. She's in it as well, briefly. Mm. It's just kind of like a strange um, Disney movie. It just feels like that. It feels like okay. a, a strange thing you'd catch on a Sunday morning and you were like, what is this? Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, I guess... That exists. Yeah. He exists. You can watch it on Amazon Prime currently if you want. Um, but yeah, it was a strange thing. I guess it was kind of a, a part of the deal of his headline set. And, sure, uh, like a companion piece. Sort yeah, of. yeah. Yeah. So it okay. um, wasn't quite lemonade. Um, but okay. sure, we, nothing is. And yeah. speaking of Coachella, we'll uh, next week. We might even be talking about uh, Beyonce's. Um, Beachella <laughs> performance day. I'm
0: I'm just gonna say it. Next week we will definitely be talking yes. about
2: Beachella. <laughs> the the film is on Netflix right now. If you're interested, um, it came out this morning, so we haven't seen it yet. but, uh, no. but I'm actually looking work. forward to seeing that performance again. I think it was a uh, pretty amazing and stellar, and uh, absolutely. Yeah, I can't. I can't wait. I only I'm probably it gonna, gonna watch live it live stream at the time, so mm. I'm looking forward to seeing that properly. In, yeah. HD, HD. Well. Um, so also last weekend was Record Store Day as part of our, our gig and Dublin and Sound as part of Music Town we did give away vinyl so I got out actually on Friday morning, afternoon, went out to Glasnevin to um, the Dublin Vinyl Factory itself, went out and had a look, saw how vinyl was pressed, saw our vinyl all there ready to go. Uh, which is a really nice thing to see, and uh, it was lovely just to have something tangible like that with a, a song from each of the acts. Mm. Um, and it was really nice to see people like pick it up and get some of the bands. You can't got hold the, a
0: playlist. Yeah, they got they got
2: the <laughs> they got it signed, and I love vinyl anyway. But yeah. um, but here, speaking of vinyl, um just before uh, we start recording, Bandcamp, the independent music service that uh, allows streaming and downloading of all sorts of files, has announced that it is starting a vinyl pressing service. So this is a uh, Quite an interesting development and really like a a really cool development, I think, for independent artists, especially. So it's going to be um, their vinyl pressing service will streamline the finance. Financing production and fulfillment of vinyl records, with no upfront investment, an artist or label can create a vinyl campaign and start taking orders almost immediately. Once they reach their minimum goal, they press the records, uh, Bandcamp does, and ship them mm. to fans direct. I so think that's really cool. That is a really interesting development. Certainly, it's something that has been lacking in terms of vinyl for independent artists. You've seen it for existing campaigns, or out of issue, or out of print, or people would do them themselves on mm. Kickstarter or crowdfunding sources, but um, that's the first time we've seen it directly on a platform, and I think that's a really smart move. Yeah, there it's just launched today with four pilot campaigns, um, but uh, it'll be open to artists and labels later this year. So very interesting development very indeed. Cool. Um, and fair play to Bandcamp for getting on with that and doing. I think it's that a really nice proactive little, move. Yeah, like it's band, very There cool. was I can't remember. I must find out. Um, Maybe after I play this, uh, I will find out the actual figure of Kappa has given artists in the last year. Mm. But it's quite significant. So um, it's a great platform. Um, Don't like the user interface if I was going to (laughs) be, you know, picky (laughs) about these things. But, you know, you can't have everything sometimes. So we move to Album of the Week this week. It is from Anderson Pack. His fourth studio album came out on Friday, following Hot on the Heels of Oxnard, his third album in November. And here's a taste of the opening track, uh, which features Andre 3000 from Anderson Pack. This is called Come Home. Anderson Pack from his new album Ventura, his fourth in the um Beach series, is that what it's called? It's um yeah, he has an overarching theme for his uh, albums, but um that is the fourth one it's called Ventura. He's I first came to he first came to my attention. Sorry, he just he first came <laughs> yes. I first came to his attention. <laughs> he <laughs> may or may not know who you are. Oh, don't worry about it. <laughs> Yeah, he he first came to my attention when he released Malibu in 2015, which was my absolute favorite record of that year. I loved it because of its soft soul, its hard edges, its storytelling narrative, its expansive nature. Mm -hmm. When Oxnard came out in November, I was... Pretty disappointed, I would say, overall, although I think I've softened uh on some of those um my feelings about it. I think the I there's some great songs on Oxnard. There are some good songs. Um Tint is a great tune, great pop tune, mm. uh great like single. Um but I haven't gone back to an awful lot. Um so now we have after seeing Anderson Pack live in the Olympia last month, he is here with his fourth album. Called Ventura, and what is the vibe, Dre?
0: The vibe is very soulful. I think um, a lot more soulful than than um, Oxnard. And I'm sort of I'm all about this because I I tend to favour Anderson Pack as a as a singer more than a rapper, and there's a lot of really just really gorgeous rich vocals on this and he's kind of returned that with that really kind of raspy soulful voice um and there's a lot of moments in the album where it's sort of it's overlaid against you know some really cool brass or some really nice piano while still kind of keeping this kind of relentless tempo like it doesn't it doesn't really let up there's no there's no kind of Yes Laud slow jams, which yeah. I'm slightly disappointed about. Um because Yes Laud for me that, that that was where I first encountered him. Of course, yeah. And that's the album No Worries. Yeah, it's just an unbelievable record. But um but yeah, I I I I think this is a return to form. It's way more that kind of Malibu kind of vibe. It's less a bit less polished, which I like. Uh, than Oxnard. And yeah, I'm
2: digging it. I am slightly surprised that I thought this was going to be the album with uh, the Free Nationals. This is not it. I th-
0: he's touring with the Free Nationals. He's touring this album but with I, the Free Nationals. I thought Nationals, the whole thing, I, I don't when know. When if... they announced
2: Oxnard, was that this, like the next, there's going to be another album in a few months and it'll be with the Free Nationals, like Anderson Pack and oh. Bill does Anderson Pack and the Free Nationals. I don't know where that's gone or yeah. if they just dumped that part of it because. You know, there's a lot of guests on this one, actually, but, like, they all serve the songs pretty well. Um, yeah. Andrew 2000, as we mentioned. Smokey Robinson, you know, just getting a bit of Smokey Robinson. Yeah. Jasmine Sullivan and uh, Brandy. Uh, Nate Dogg as well, posthumous vocals from him. Um, and then, overall, I'm enjoying this, but I'm not as thrilled by it as I would like to be. Okay. Yeah. Um, I saw a review of it this week that said it was very bland. Oh. Um, I would, wouldn't go that far. I would say it's kind of grand. It's like, okay. it is, I just don't have, like I had it on earlier on today, Loud, and it was like, I like this, this is a nice bop. Mm-hmm. And, but I don't have, I'm not getting that that same level of um deep feels for, for the album as I did for Malibu. Sure. Um, in my estimation, I think that is because, I don't know when he recorded this exactly, but I feel like...
0: It was recorded at the same time as same time. Oxnard.
2: Yeah. I would have liked... I think he would have been better off releasing one album as opposed to two mm. and mixing the best of both of those albums into one. Then you would maybe have something more like a, a Malibu album. Sometimes yeah. when you like silo something into into two different ways and you're like, you know, you split the actual appeal of what you're like about an artist. Like what I sure. loved about Malibu was that it felt like a journey and it was 20 tracks on it or whatever and you're like, "But there's so many like hooks and it's gone and you're, yeah, you're into it. Where this one, it's nice but I can't really feel like a lot of it I'm going to be coming back to you in six months even. Well, mm-hmm. I probably like it more on the surface Um, first like ten listens or whatever it is more than I would do on Oxnard. I don't know. It all feels very similar in a way. It's all very laid back, lovely soul. It's very it's impeccably produced it's got that soft glow it's Mm -hmm. got lots of nice things happening some standout lines here and there but nothing really grabbing me beyond that like in in a in a deep i want to go back and listen to this song i love that song with brandy actually i do like that song yeah and uh, there's a couple of other tracks there that have make it better is fine it's fine it's a Real old fashioned soul song. I quite
0: like make it better. Yeah, I do. I I, I, it is what I it do is really like I'm it. Like, I, don't know. I think I I like the atmosphere of the of the first couple of tracks on the album a lot. Um, Come home, the one with Andre three thousand. As as the opener, I think works really well because it it just sets up that kind of cool atmosphere. It's sort of it didn't not not at all this, but kind of like in the way that the first track of Damn is just, you know, so atmospheric and kind of sets you up for a bit of a journey. I think the problem here is that, um, the problem with this record is that, if it is a problem, is that you're not really going on a journey here. It's more of, it's, it's, it's one mood throughout the whole record. And I don't, Inherently, see a problem with that. Mm. I'm. I'm actually of the. I'm actually happy that this and Oxnard are two separate records because there wasn't a whole lot that I could grab onto on Oxnard. See, um, I think there's
2: better hooks on Oxnard, though. You know, there's there's better hooks on that album overall. I, I don't know. Um, I I I, I just think this there's is better songs to, here. To maybe, but it's it's content. It's better production. I prefer the production on this album
0: Oh me too But yeah. in terms of
2: songs And uh, and hooks And things that are going to bring you back I'm not quite getting them right now mm. um, You know I was just listening back to The likes of like Saviour's Road Or um, uh, Six Summers Or Tints even Which I mentioned um,
0: Tints is great I'd, I'd lift Tints off that album And put it onto this Yeah Yeah
2: but that's what I mean. Like, if you had two of them, if we, I, I'd be really interested. And I might even do it because I'm a nerd. Yeah, do uh, There is a track list with two of them of each of my favorite ones. And just mm. seeing what that would sound like and yeah. if they would work together. Because I feel like that would be a really strong record then. And I would... I would because of what got me with Oxnard was that it just overall started to grate because it was like it was trying too hard sometimes mm. to like Well I, I
0: I found a lot of the lyrics on Oxnard just Oh well that's that's yeah, we like, talked about I, that well. and there's, I didn't like them. Um, yeah, there's a whereas, few
2: but then you could get rid of those songs. Yes. Bring in these nice like lovely he's so good at doing this soul stuff. Mm. He's so good at it. And he's like He's perfect for it, but sometimes I mean, over a whole record of that samey stuff, it does start to feel a bit too, like he's repeating himself a bit. Mm. Um,
0: for me, I think my biggest kind of, the song I wanted to hook onto a lot on this album, and I thought I would, um, but I have my issues with it, is is King James, which is a, it's sort of, it, it's the only time that he kind of, um, goes down the road of the more kind of socially conscious um hip hop or yeah. whatever it is um on it, like he's, he addresses Trump's national state of emergency about the Mexican border and um kind of the uh, taking the knee and you know uh, pe- people protesting in uh, like black protest in american sports and kind of holding up these things as you know important cultural things but then it just sort of slips into like a you know we all just need to love each other and that's where it ends and I didn't feel like feel like if you're going to bring up those things there needs to be a stronger hit than yeah. we all need to love each other.
2: Do you know what I mean? Sure. Um, I think for contrast reason, like bringing this up again, like I know Malibu is something I always talk about, but um, what I loved about that was the personal narrative. There's a real personal narrative, and you get a sense of who he is as a mm. person. There's none of that here. Mm. And you know from looking at his social media, like he has a really cute kid who dances with him, all that kind of stuff. And then you've got this song, um, one of the songs on Ventura. Um, is uh, is it um, Good Heels, the short one? That's about like your your side chick. You locked her her stuff in your in her apartment, and mm-hmm. your wife's coming back or something. I thought that was a funny. It was kind of like, what is this? Like, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, there's no like. Well, is maybe that...
0: you could take that and put it on Oxnard. Yeah, <laughs> with the bold I mean songs. It's, it's, it's ninety eight
2: <laughs> seconds long. Like, yeah, it you know it does, You won't be missing it. Sure. And um, yeah, and it flies by quickly. For it's like it's not. It's not that's not pleasant. It's Mm. a nice song, but it's just like, I don't know. I just, I'm not really, I just like that personal narrative thing Mm. with him. And maybe that is, has been lost the last couple of, certainly Oxnard was a lot of bravado in there. Mm. um, This one less so, but you're right. Like in, in contrast then when he goes the other way and he's like, addressing those kind of issues like he doesn't really have anything to say about it other than like you know this is this
0: other other than it's happening and it's affecting me which is fine you know i'm not i'm I'm not saying that all black artists need to address these things but what i am saying is that if you're going to bring them up i i just believe that he's capable of saying more than what he said on um on King James which m- musically i really really like and i can't really pick out any of the lyrics that i don't like it's just that i feel like it could have done with another verse or something yeah where he offers something more than where is the love um but el- elsewhere i think i mean andre 3000's um was <laughs> i think really good sort of technically but he he rhymes um Puppy with fluffy, and I just don't think at this stage in that man's career we need we can let him get away with that. Uh, but I think it's about to be that's in a the point a Funny he's, way, and he's
2: above all of us.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think he's he's rapping about kind of romantic cliches and, and that kind yeah. of thing, which is fine. He's like um, he's
2: like Frank Ocean in that way. He's like whatever he says is fine. Don't 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 tell. Yeah, him don't ask too many questions. Or, yeah, or, or, um, or saying just encourage him whatever he does and don't he get
0: sounds it. fantastic. Like. Andres 3000 has this amazing... It was the same thing with the uh, the James Blake record where w- whenever he lands in, uh, when when he's doing, like, a guest verse somewhere, it's like the moment that he lands in, it's like you sit up and you pay attention and you're like, he is here, he's arrived, listen. And I, I think his verse is really, really great on that track. Um, and, yeah, like, I don't disagree with you that there's that... the the pace remaining the, the same throughout. I I understand why that might kind of get a bit boring, get a bit kind of like you're sitting on a train and your eyes are closing a little bit. But I just, I, I think that the instrumentation at points in the album is so rich that I really kind of leaned more towards this as being a mood rather than listening out for like very... Effective lyrics or anything Yeah maybe that's
2: what I was getting at Like that's the idea Is that I'll I could put this on You could put this on In the office And no one would be Like mm, mad at it Yeah At all It's very pleasant It's like Like nod your head Kind Mm. of music There's a few lines That stood out to me Like I mean there's one line in in, uh, Yada yada Which is like Ah, there it is, my wits end. And I just like. The I fact really that like, like that line as he's well. Like, you know, it's like I've never heard that before. It's such yeah. a simple thing, um, stuff like that. That you was know? one
0: of my favorite lines on on the record yeah, as well. Actually. And he can
2: be really good at that stuff. He mm. can be really good at just like encapsulating something in a really like tiny way. Mm. Um, and then he's obviously got that voice, which yeah. is just well, that's it. It's like it's not know? like we we are um, taking that for um, for granted at all. Because mm. it's like when you get it, it's good. It's yeah, always good for sure. Um, and when he appears on on a collaborative. Uh, effort or whatever it always feels like yeah this is this is something we're getting yeah how do you think the guests fare otherwise
0: i think he uses them really well nothing's overdone um brandy was great because it's she, she was just sort of it's not like she got a whole verse or anything but she contributed so much to the overall sound of the song yeah i loved that um and i think that that happens with Smokey robinson as well it's it's not it's not blatant. It's it's sort of just interwoven with the rest of the, the rest of the kind of the mood of the song. Yeah,
2: they all seem to serve the songs pretty straightforward. Yeah, so yeah. Like um, the
0: the most kind of blatant um, verse or uh, guest is Andre Three Thousands, but I mean, you come with the king. Yeah. <laughs> don't mess you're up. not you're not putting him in the background, you know. So, oh, your like,
2: favorite tr- song off this would be.
0: Uh, it's between. Come Home and Jet Black For different reasons Uh, i like Make It Better as well They'd be my three but like Jet Black is A banger It is such a Strong tune I think it's my favourite too um,
2: We will will finish our little chat on this But um, yeah I'm gonna I wonder I'll be interested to see how I feel in a year Or in Mm. a few months time even About Mm. this maybe
0: I see myself coming back to this This could
2: be a summer album No? Yeah it's the right time for it. It's everything's end a summer of April album. time for for an album release. Yeah, it's it's got that vibe. You know, it doesn't trouble your, your brain too much. No. It uh, it lulls way. you a bit, but yeah. in
0: in a in a jaunty summer way. And I guess I guess I
2: just have some so many high expectations for Anderson back and. That's almost unfair, but he's so talented.
0: See, I didn't have high expectations for this album because I didn't like Oxnard. Yeah. So then when I listened to it, I was like, oh, thank
2: God. Yeah. Yes. So he's like, it's like he's back on course a bit. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah, I definitely feel like that. This is the kind of more, the Anderson pack I want. Mm-hmm. Um, But somewhere in the middle without the troublesome lyrics, I would be happy with. Sure. I think. Yeah.
0: Make that playlist. <laughs> I'd be, I'm really interested to... Hear your yeah. your production of the album
2: Well I'm going to be in a car for about five hours tomorrow So let me see if I have time for that Good um, <laughs> so, Okay well this is Jet Black featuring Brandy from Anderson Pax Ventura From
1: the windowsills I don't mind if they watch I don't care Who gon' love you when you love ain't there Baby that ass is just unfair Jet Black hair baby jet black hair At least two grams in your blunt rap there These two hairs always end up on the small of your back Shit I ask if asking on go there About the drinks and I paid no care. Couple more shots, we can all get to bed. Yes, Lord, like you living on a prayer. Play too much, baby, come here.
2: We leave Anderson Pack and Ventura there That is our album of the week for this week Um, Have a listen and do see what you think Um, I think it is, we do think it's a better album Than Oxford for sure Yes, Yes, so we leave it there Um, Our songs of the week now, this week We've got our first choice Is uh, from Beck It is called It's not my first choice (laughs) We have to talk about this (laughs) This is Saw Lightning from Beck (laughs) Is a taste of Beck His new song Saw Lightning From a forthcoming album Called Hyperspace And co-produced by Pharrell Pharrell Williams Can you hear that there? I think you can hear A bit of a Neptune's vibe there I don't know What the fuck is going on here (laughs) To be honest Um (laughs) The first thing I saw about this was a piece that was like, oh, Beck has managed to bring his old uh, music into the 21st century by bringing the sly guitar in from the likes of Loser and Birkan. He has brought a whole new dimension to his new pop sound. You're like, no, yes, what is this no. at all? It's so bad. It's terrible. And he I hated colors. I heard like <laughs> one song on colors are really light. Um I don't know, he's completely lost it for me, Beck. I don't know, I'm just like, hate this. I hate this so much.
0: The idea that Beck is bringing his um, old sound, his like old lay kind of vibe to his modern pop sound is my biggest nightmare. This is a mess. This is an absolute mess. Pharrell needs to, like he shouldn't be anywhere near a harmonica. Like that's, <laughs> it, it's just not... I, d- I just expect more from Pharrell as a producer. Like, when you've got someone like Beck with a back catalogue of like, so, like, some of the best albums, like, well, o- Odelay is like one of my favorite albums. And it's amazing. It's, it's still so amazing. It's so good. It's still so good. You don't need to bring that into the 21st century and put a weird, like, little bleepy bloopy thing over it. It just, it's it I, I think I think, is that
2: all that Pharrell has done to this song? Other than overproduce yeah. it to fuck yeah like and
0: like the beats probably his as well it's just it's a total mess I don't even I can't even imagine being at the drawing board for this and say and saying that this is a good idea it's not Be- Beck has done fine moving away from that old sound I like I'm I'm more of a fan of his old sound than his new pop stuff
2: wasn't mad about colours but. Even when he crammed everything into his production, like he did on Midnight Vultures, which mm. was like the sleazy Prince record, like he did it well. Yeah. This is just like, I have to be part of the zeitgeist. I need to be doing something modern. something yeah. So the kids can be down with it. And it's like, it's like, it literally is that Steve Buscemi thing in 30 Rock where he's like, how do kids? Yeah. You know, it's that kind of vibe. It's like, I can see... This is like built for some kind of like festival performance where there's going to be like drummers in the background and and you're like what's going on here yeah this is not what I wanted I'm Why, where's I'm really the song af- gone where's the song I'm really afraid
0: on? this is going to be a hit is the thing oh I don't think so I don't know man <laughs> like stranger things have happened people might like this but I don't I I I think I think the whole thing's a mess it just if. It sounds like you took four different records and threw them at a wall, and th- and this is what this is what came out. The harmonica, I just I
2: can't. The slide guitar, I no. It's like he spent too much time in the LA sun. That's what it's like. Do you think so? All of it is just like he's hanging out with people. He's like, yeah, let's collaborate. And he's like, just completely lost his good good tune filter. Yeah, M- maybe, it's like, maybe he's too polite here? to
0: tell Pharrell that this isn't a good production. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I. D- I don't know how they got to this and said, yeah, that's great. Let's put it out. Uh, it's just, it's absolutely all over the place. I i can't stand
2: it. Yeah, I a, really can't stand it. I hope he's all right anyway. Um, you all all right, yeah. Beck? You all all right there? At Beck. You okay, hon? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we both don't like this. No. Fair play. Not at all. Um, yeah. I think that's the correct assessment. <laughs> There's no correct assessment. But I, I correct really to hope disregard. it's not a hit. <laughs> Well, we have so a palate cleanser. Let's have a palate <laughs> cleanser. Please. Let's go to Dun for the day. Ah, oh, Dun for for the next ninety seconds. I know it well with uh, just mustard and a song called Frank.
0: that diddly eye music there from Just Mustard from Dundalk. Um yeah, a kind so the,
2: of, is this is the first song they've released since the album Wednesday, which mm. um was Choice Prize nominated. Sorry, I was eating something. Um A rice cake. A rice cake, yeah. <laughs> called Frank. Um I've heard them play this live and it stuck out at the time. And when I heard it first recorded, I was like, I know the song. Yeah. So I think that's a good indication for me at that. Uh, this is a memorable song. Yeah. I've heard it once live, probably. Maybe twice, maybe twice. Um, but yeah, this is a, a, one of the songs on their two-song 12-inch. Um, speak. We obviously spoke about the Fontaines at length already, but um, another band who are doing quite well for themselves outside of Ireland um, playing with the Fontaines on tour. Mm-hmm. So interesting to see the parallels there they're doing very much their own thing as well featured
0: heavily in that noisy article as well Um, yeah they've been referenced
2: name checked in in the same sphere and satellite of fontaine
0: despite sounding nothing like them
2: guitars man that's all you need yeah guitars hey you've got a guitar i'll put you in my article yeah exactly
0: (laughs) (laughs) um i i really like this track yeah. I really, really like it. I really um, like
2: it too, yeah, yeah, I really do. It's moody and... I think it's my favourite uh, Just Mother song so far. Me too, yeah. yeah. And I think a part of it is because uh, Katie Ball, the vocalist, isn't like hiding under the shoegaze buzz. This is on like layers of texture there. She's very... It kind of like ebbs and flows and like pull, pushes and pulls quite well. And mm. I think that's a really nice thing that a band like this, who clearly are very adept at making that kind of music like it's not straight ahead chords it's like discordant noise and, and almost industrial vibes yeah. here and there Um, but she brings something different to it that lifts that up from this griminess you know.
0: Yeah I think there's a brightness to her vocal tone in this that I haven't heard so far Um, or I haven't heard it as much so far and I think it's it, it, it provides a nice juxtaposition between the kind of that discordant um sound of the guitars and the kind of sludginess of it and then yeah. and then and let's got be this honest kind of like, like this
2: is very much like shoegaze yeah true and true. there's yeah. nothing new going on here either but mm. i just like it it's good we haven't had a full album uh, since wednesday obviously yet but like that was their first record not as much hype as that kind of around the fontaines um mm. That is more of a mood, that that kind of music. But I feel like there's more to grasp here with Just Mustard uh, compared to their older stuff. Hmm. So I'm excited to see where they'll go with it. And uh, if they keep making weird, cool, dark, strange pop tunes like this. uh, Pop is probably the wrong word, but you know. There is something to that vocal that every time I hear it, I'm like, I've heard this so many times in, in a really nice way. You know, yeah. like it's buried in there. Like the first time I heard it, it buried into me. And I was like, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I think ever since then, it stuck with me. So that's a, a good a good thing for them. So that's Just Mustard's song. the Town. Song is called Frank. Uh, we're going to move to a very different town. Um, not even a town, actually a state. Oh, where are we going? <laughs> we're going to Georgia. Oh, uh, yeah. Brockhampton's Kevin Abstract with some solo music. This is called Georgia.
1: Come on, mom, and let her know that everything is alright.
2: That is um, Kevin Abstract from Brockhampton on solo tapey, uh, a three-track EP out. I left, unintentionally left out the rap bits of that song, but there you go. Um there is okay. There's rap parts in that song. That was my favourite part of the song, mm-hmm. if I'm honest. Um, and I like it because it sounds like Outkast, which makes sense because it's called Georgia. The EP is called uh, Arizona Baby. Um, and, you know, uh, I don't know what Arizona has to do, but obviously uh, Georgia Atlanta. There's a very deep connection with Outcast. There
0: makes sense that I grabbed onto this because I've been listening to Outcast like all week. So,
2: oh really? Yeah. How come?
0: Uh, because of the Andre Three Thousand uh, feature, yeah. I think yes. it's all yes. come full circle. It's all. This here.
2: is great. It's ah, all, synergy. Yeah. Um. So, Brockhampton are a. Um, <laughs> what would the, what do they call themselves? The world's biggest boy band or something like that. Sure, they're like a collective of rap rappers who met on Kanye Tuda and uh, all live in a house in Texas together. They have they're notable for a couple of things, other than the fact that some of their music is insanely good. Um, they're kind of like this indie rap Wu Tang clan almost buzz. They do a lot of visual stuff. They're very talented. There's a lot of them. There's a guy from Belfast in the band. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I know nothing about them. They're that. kind of like, they've been talked about in the same uh, way of Odd Future and like this kind of collective of people who all live in a house and do this mad stuff. But they do a lot of soul material. Kevin Abstract is considered their leader. Um, and maybe... He, they that's fair to say, because I think everybody kind of says that in mm-hmm. the band. Um, this is his solo, his latest solo music, uh, which prompted fans to wonder if Brockhampton were going to break up. Um, but apparently not. So Do they have fine. a
0: big, um, like, teenager following? In Oh, I think so, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. okay, yeah. Um, like,
2: like. He, he is openly gay as well, so that's the other part about this that's, you know, different in mm-hmm. terms of rap collectives and like oh, yeah, modern sure. life in, and and all of that happened all that stuff that happened with rap music you yeah. know not not something that happens an awful lot yeah. in rap music so very um not i wouldn't say groundbreaking but certainly different and yeah. something new and modern for that and uh, very encouraged to see somebody out in as a rapper and also rap about those kind of things and uh it's quite jarring in a way when you hear it for the first time. You're like, oh, he's rapping about, you know, mm-hmm. uh, sucking a dick and stuff. Yeah, <laughs> like, But yeah. he's not saying it in a derogatory way. homophobic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, there's stuff like that. They have a couple. They had, I think their first couple of mixtapes were brilliant. Um, they had an album last year, which I wasn't quite mad into, but they have some great tracks. Okay. Really, really big earworms as well. Yeah. Um, I don't know where they're going to go, but this is a solo thing that happened in the meantime for now. So uh, they were here last year. I'm sure they'll be back soon again. There, That is Kevin Abstract song is called Georgia. From Georgia, i are going to move to Australia. Australia. We're going to go to Some cool I'm
0: ashamed that we both Did an Australian accent there
1: <laughs> Why <laughs>
2: I'm not? so
0: sorry To our Australian listeners
2: <laughs> I'm, I'm going to check now How many Australian listeners We have Okay And I'm going to Name them personally No I don't know um, Okay there's a new Courtney Barnett song It's called Everybody Here Hates You um, Courtney Barnett song is called Everybody Here Hates You um, turns out we have just had a quick check there Australia is our fourth uh, highest territory of listeners. (laughs) Hello. (laughs) Apologies. Presumably, they're mostly Irish people. Hi, everyone. So they won't mind too much. They won't mind too much. Uh,
0: (laughs) Maybe one of them's Courtney Barnett. We don't know. Yeah, Courtney. How's it going? Hey. (laughs) Big fan.
2: Uh, Yeah, Dre is is a big fan of this song. You like this song? Love
0: this song. It's great. Great to hear her back. Um, Feel like she's. She's going even more down, like, a rock route that I want her to go down. Why do you want that more? Because I think she's well-able. She's a great guitarist. She's well-able. She's well-able, isn't she? Um, Yeah, she's, she's a really great guitarist. I think the guitar work on this song is particularly kind of emotive or something. You can just picture yourself, like, banging your head along, listening to it live at those kind of very... Big moments like later on in the track it's a straight up good rock song lyrics are really cool and she still has that kind of very slouchy delivery um i've always loved her voice um i i I don't know i see people saying that like her early stuff was a bit twee or something i never got that from her i i think she's just extremely talented um artist, great guitarist, great singer, great lyricist.
2: Love it. I dip in and out of her music now at this point, I'd yeah. say, um to some stuff I like more than others. I mm. can't really put my finger on what it is I like um more than others. Mm. Um this is probably not really what I'm would go back to an awful lot. <gasps> Like, I love songs like The Preston and uh, I can't even remember any of her song titles. Right?
0: Avant Gardner. Yes. And, um, and, stuff
2: like that. Um, um, yeah. I love the hits, man. The hits. Um. <laughs> well, she's got good hits. Yeah. The
0: thing. I think this is one of them. I think yeah. this is up there
2: with with some of the best songs that she's released. Is there an, a new album on the way? Then already um, can't be. Well, she released I one last year know. called "Tell Me How You Really Feel." Yeah, good, and another she another did work title. with
0: Kurt Vile as well. Um, so of course, she, yeah, yeah, that was last year. So many beep. things have happened. I know. in the Last year, though. stuff keeps happening one after another. Yeah, uh,
2: "Pedestrian at Best" that was. The Pedestrian was at Best is like
0: of. I think her best song. So good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I really like this. I think it's it's fun and catchy, while also being you know, heavily guitar driven, which I
2: love. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, that's it for songs of the week this week. Um that was uh Beck, we had um Joss Mustard, Kevin Abstract and Courtney Barnett. Thank you all for contributing to the podcast this week. Yeah. Thanks Beck. Yeah. Thanks really. guys. <laughs>
0: Sorry Beck.
2: <laughs> We're going to have a chat to Maverick Saber who was born to Irish parents in East London but grew up in New Ross in County Wexford. He has has a new album out called "When I Wake Up," which has drawn inspiration from uh, things like um, the French social film and one of my favorites of all time, La Haine. Oh um, yes, that is one of the best. My favorite films of all time. That is definitely Square. up there, top five. I haven't guy, watched it in a while.
0: Guys falling.
2: Yeah. In it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's yeah, all I've black and white. Uh, it's brilliant. Um, and uh, the hip hop cinematography of Khalil Joseph apparently is another inspiration. Luke Sharkey met him backstage at his recent gig for a quick chat about all that's going on with Maverick Saber.
1: So
4: I'm here on Abbey Street in the hollow grounds of Dublin's Academy venue, and I'm joined by Michael Stafford, aka Maverick Saber, just before his gig here tonight. Just before
5: the gig, how are you doing? Thanks for having us on, man.
4: Oh no, thank you so much for doing this, I appreciate the time is a little tight. No, thank you, man. Um, so uh, how was the first gig last night?
5: The first gig was beautiful, like, yeah. yeah, there was a, you know, it was the first time for me playing anything new from the new album, really, yeah. like we'd done a couple of acoustic shows before where I'd played Drift In, um, and like once I'd done Glory and yeah it was it, yeah it was like I was actually like I was actually quite surprised which I haven't been in a gig for my own gig for a while you can normally always <laughs> tell which tunes are definitely going to go down yeah. well with and uh yeah it was beautiful man to to see the response of the new album as well
4: that's man? so fantastic yeah it's been really really busy over here a lot of people talking about the album even just on social media like yeah. a lot of musicians and stuff like that like yeah. all the soft boys have been yeah, instagram and all the yeah, tracks nah, and stuff like that they've been showing a lot of love man and you're I seen by the setup upstairs. You're playing with a full band.
5: Full band here this evening is the first. Uh, it's the first full band tour in since two thousand of two thousand and fifteen. Oh, that's amazing. So it's yeah, man. It's, and you know what? To start off the rooting in Cork and Dublin has just been... Yeah, it's been what I kind of needed,
4: really, to just give yeah, you that sure. little bit of energy to start the tour, you know? Yeah, I suppose if you win them over, Irish crowds got um They give you that energy, they give yeah, you that Yeah, man, and it's
5: just nice. It's nice to come back and have that, you know, that so you recharge the batteries a bit before then you hit the rest of the tour, you know?
4: Yeah, yeah, fantastic. So uh, I would want to jump into the album when mm-hmm. I wake up. It's yeah. bloody amazing album. Thank you very fantastic. much. Fantastic. Thank you. Um, and I was aware of your stuff beforehand. I'd heard yeah. the big songs, but I suppose this was the first album that... I just fell in love with it. I just listened to it from back to front Thank numerous, you. numerous times. And then I've gone backwards into your discography yeah. since. Um, I want to talk about sort of, is it, is it, was that from live sessions or was that sampled? Where where are the uh, the arrangements and the, the, the songs coming from?
5: From When I Wake Up? Yeah. Um, do you know what? When I Wake Up was kind of like created and, and the start of the creation of it was quite different from everything else. Um, Like the first album I had like 20, 21 years to... Uh, to write write it so you know that kind of came from um just year just years of writing really to be honest um so from various different kind of spots wherever i was writing or wherever i got inspiration the second album was you know we were kind of into being on a label and you know i'd had my producers that i was working with and it was kind of you know an easier setup but this record obviously being my first independent album that i've put out a lot of it started in my living room um and after the second record, I kind of took a bit of time away and I started writing for other people. And I was doing like uh, like kind of young soul sessions and pop sessions in the day and really like just kind of um, training myself and experimenting as a writer and just kind of like, you know, like learning different forms of writing and just kind of pushing myself a bit. And then in the evening, I was relearning how to produce because I first started producing when I was yeah. younger on the Irish hip hop scene. I used to just make beats every day. I was even, I was making more beats than I was songs to be honest. And uh, so I started making like hip hop and growing beats and I started making more psychedelic stuff and I started really experimenting of an evening. It was just kind of like my little evening session. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then songs like Drift In and Into Nirvana came and um, and at the start I was like, oh, this feels such a departure from a lot of the stuff I've done before. Do, I, sure. re- do I release it under another alias? Is this just a side project? And then as I started just kind of creating more and more, it, 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 it kind of uh, yeah formed its own sound. Um, and then I started playing it to friends of mine and, and we kind of sat down and finished the rest of the record. So it was like a lot of it, if not the majority of it, was kind of birthed in, in my living room.
4: And I suppose that comes through because this, the album has such an identifiable sound. Yeah. Like every song in the album, although they're different to each other, there's a sort of instrumental and a lyrical cohesion to the way it sounds. Yeah. It sounds like a it's a really distinct unit of work, which is fantastic.
5: Yeah. And I think for me, looking back, just for me personally, I feel like it's, it's, it's the most cohesive album I've maybe had. Um, and in a weird way, this has felt, and I've said it from the start, before we even put the record out there, kind of in a weird way to me feels like a new debut. Yeah, It just feels like, a, for me, I had to rebirth myself, I suppose, as a writer for this record. And that was the intention. It was like going back to when I was 17 and making beats at home just for myself and for the enjoyment and excitement of what I was making. And that's kind of how a lot of these tunes were created and birthed, really.
4: That's fantastic. Um, I like. It, I, could you talk to me maybe about some of what you were listening to when you wrote this album? Like a few of the, the tracks, like Drifting, um, Drifting, and sort of Into Nirvana, and Don't Talk About It, they kind of remind me of like like like, there's something you'd hear out of Pulp Fiction or like yeah. that Tarantino old vintage like sort of rock sound and then I hear like a little bit of Motown in some of the songs yeah
5: yeah there's like there's there's a like a kind of there's always Motown like uh running through I suppose a lot of my records I was listening to a lot of Stone Roses yeah um a lot of Stone Roses um Saimande um a lot of a lot of jazz Idris Muhammad, um Ahmed Jamal um and just psychedelic music, man. I really got into my psychedelic stuff for this record. And it was kind of... It was something that I'd never really made before. And I've all, I've, I'd have I've, always had like little... It was always pockets of beats and productions that I'd made over the years that were quite psychedel, psych, psychedelically influenced, I yeah. suppose. Um And I, I suppose even alongside the music, um, which I suppose I was listening to kind of more of a varied amount, Like even like I was getting into like Talking Heads and Kate Bush yeah, and yeah. stuff like that. Which to be honest... I remember, you know, even five, six years ago, there were certain styles of music that I just never listened to. I was like, I don't, just don't connect with it. Had you ne- listened to it and
4: not liked it, or did you dismiss it no, based listened, off what you'd heard about n- it?
5: Bits of both. Okay. Bits of both, to be honest with you, um, and a lot of it was like I just felt like at that maybe at that point in my life I didn't connect with it. Yeah. And then the the kind of the music that I've was inspired that inspired this record was kind of it was my first time getting into it in the last two three years and i think that's why this sound is is kind of maybe even broader or even more specific or whatever you want
4: to call it uh, because the influence is quite changed yeah and it feels totally sort of fresh and vibrant something like new for you you know yeah. like that 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 sense of sort of discovery i think really comes through in a lot of how the album and sounds
5: it really was a, se- a sense of discovery it was discovering like all of these tunes were really like You know, some of them kind of fit into what I was doing before, but a lot of them was just discovering myself, really, and, like, drifting and sipping in the gut, like, all them weird melodies that no one had ever heard my voice, and I hadn't heard my voice do before, but I was like, oh, I'm falling in love with this. More and more I listen to it, you know? Yeah, that's beautiful.
4: Um, And did you feel, I feel like this album, when I've gone back and listened to all the stuff, this album maybe leans heavier on your singing voice as opposed to any of the sort of hip-hop or sort of the rap elements that you brought to some of your earlier work? Was, did you feel a little bit of trepidation about that, or was that just something that was natural? That was,
5: it was natural, but it was kind of intentional. Um, <clears throat> we put the second album out in the 2015. And at the start of 2016, I went and did um, I did uh, an arena tour with the Hilltop Hoods, who are an Australian hip-hop group. And I'd done two songs on their last album, and it had gone number one in Australia, so they asked me to come out and do support. And whatever way it worked out, I didn't have my band with me, and I just went over with me and a DJ. And I was like, oh, no, I'll be grand. And it really tested me as a performer because it was me and a DJ for like 16,000 people every night. Wow. And that really brought me back to like, all right, you've got to test yourself here, man. You've got to, you know. And uh, after that tour, I came straight back. And about a week later, we started just a stripped-back acoustic tour with me and my guitarist at the time. And we did it for like two and a half months around UK, Ireland, and uh, a couple of dates in Europe. And the contrast of coming from... I was using heavy beats in Australia. It was like heavy hip hop beats and I was kind of half spitting and my voice wasn't at the forefront as much to come back and then strip everything back. And I hadn't done a full acoustic tour. Well, I don't think I'd ever done a full acoustic tour. And to come and strip it back and I was like, there was something about stripping it right back to just my voice and a guitar. And I was like, there's a freedom in this that I feel like just from what I can read from people coming to the shows, is that the songs were connecting with people more. Yeah. Because it wasn't distracted by big production or big boom bap, or it wasn't distracted by anything. And that was an intention of this record as well. And moving forward more so to like, you know, the, my voice for me is the storytelling element of everything. So that should always be in the forefront. So that's kind of that specific period of time with them two tours and the contrast between both and the feeling I got after the acoustic tour was like right, this is how I need to move forward, making music, because this is I feel what connects the most,
4: yeah, and I think it worked wonderfully in the end um, i mean the the singing, like you said, using as the narrative, using your voice as the narrative tool in this album has worked really really well and there 's yeah. a lot of great stories and a lot of great story beats in the album, mm. and a lot of sort of very um, I was struck by how overtly political some of it was, and how like straight, straight up, this is how I kind of feel about it and be speaking about the subject, and i 'm going to speak my mind about yeah. it. And it was really kind of touching. And so I was wondering if you might unpack just like when you were writing this, like kind of what was going on and like in terms of lyrics, what was inspiring you to write? Well, I
5: think like for me, society around me has always inspired me ever since I've been younger. Um, And I think maybe on the first album or two, maybe the big tunes that were off the record, maybe distracted away slightly from the a lot of the political and and kind of social issues i was talking about yeah. on the record so it's always been like a, it's always been a running um thread through my music because for me that's the music that i've always connected with growing up was um music that spoke about the times around whether it would be the 60s 70s 80s 90s or current day whatever it was it was the 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 the, the climate around the time when, when artists have a resistance or a, re- a rebelliousness yeah. in, in, in their message or in their tone or in the feeling of the music. That was music that always really kind of inspired me the most. Um, and for me, this record, especially being back to being independent and even having a hell of a lot more freedom just to be like, I can literally say what I want. Yeah. I could. All, to be honest, I was always bullheaded, so I wanted to say what I want on any record anyway. But um, I feel like in the last two years two, three years, a hell of a lot's gone on. Yeah. Especially for our generation. For sure. I think we're at a changing point and I'm 28 now, so, you know, I think anyone in that kind of age bracket has seen two sides to a very different world. We're on that cusp that, you know, we're the last to experience a certain generation. Um, But we also have we're also kind of midway through our experience have been you know, pushed into this whole new experience with the advance in technology and social media, yeah. which is just so much information to take in all the time. Yeah. And then within that, you know, I've, I've been living in London for the last 10 years. So there's been a hell of a lot going on in London, politically and socially. Absolutely. Um, and a hell of a lot going on in Ireland, politically and socially. Absolutely. So that's just been, yeah, it's just always something that that's inspired me. And I just felt maybe the um, the sound of this record allowed me to express that a lot more and maybe a lot more particularly you know um, and maybe a lot more straightforward and because my voice was maybe at the forefront of this record it was allowed allowed me to get a message that much clearer
4: is that a, is that a means of sort of therapy to, for lack of a better word to, to way for yeah. you to understand the world around you for you to deconstruct it is that when you write about the sort of world around you yeah i
5: think so i think it is i think like everything when i write about the world around me or i write about the world within me it's a it's To deconstruct it and to gain understanding of myself and how I perceive the world. Uh, And it is a therapy, you know, because things around me do anger me in the world, you know. And I think and uh, this is my platform to just express it. And I think a lot of people do have similar feelings that I have, you know. A lot of us do. And a lot of us are angered by things we see. Um, And I like to hear that in the music I listen to. And I like to hear that in the music I create. Um, because it's what inspires me you know, what, it's what connects me with people
4: yeah for sure and I think at the moment there's quite a lot of like outrage fatigue going on I mean especially yeah. in England and in Ireland there's just been so much going on and so many like almost cataclysmic news stories and it's yeah. like over and over and the news cycle is so dominant that you can almost feel a bit just dazed by it all and it was so nice to hear sort of you mentioned a lot sort of ideas of like knife crime and of like urban crime going on in London and of like the Grenfell Tower of the Big Smoke yeah. like really just so refreshing to hear someone come back to the roots of like talking about social issues and stuff like that it's really good
5: no thank you and it's, uh, th- that's just the music that's always inspired me man like, I've, i'm still a big hip-hop head and hip-hop was my first education into a hell of a lot you know i learned about things in different parts of the world that i had no understanding of i was being yeah. told names and dates and and uh, tragedies that I'd, I'd, I'd never heard about and it really you know it, it kind of that was that they were my big teachers growing up yeah, um, and then getting back into more like traditional Irish music and blues and and soul. It was always a story, and it was always for for the people um, and for the times. And uh, yeah, so I suppose that's just me kind of learning what I've, from learning from my inspirations and just trying to put back in as much as I can, you know.
4: Yeah, and so you came through about seven years ago. Yeah, it was your big debut hit. Yeah. Um, the scene over in Ireland, in terms of urban music, in terms of hip hop and grime and all of that sort of genres, has kind of blown up a lot in that time. Um, do you still keep an eye on what goes always, on over here?
5: Every day, man. Every day. Yeah, always. I've always have since I first moved back to London. I've been back, like I said, I've been back in London like nineteen years. And uh, yeah, I always do, man. That's like my that's my source. Like, yeah. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be. I wouldn't make the music I do now, and I wouldn't be anywhere if I if I if I wasn't an Irish hip hop head to begin with. You know what I mean? So yeah. But
4: you first you first featured on a track from was it Terrorist and New Sense? That was two thousand and nine, I think. Yeah. Was that funny, your first?
5: funny you actually say that. It wasn't my first thing. I, was, I put tunes out when I was like fifteen on MySpace. Yeah. Um, but I actually got a couple of years ago. I got pulled over in immigration in America, and I was getting questioned for two hours, and. They flipped when I told them my artist name, they flipped around the screen and the first thing they saw was that I'd done a track with a fella called Terrorist <laughs> on an album called Sense to Terror in JF, JFK Airport. I got around it, it was grand, but it was a sketchy situation. So funny you say that I literally had that conversation with someone about fifteen minutes ago. They don't
4: they don't mess around in America with they that conversation. Kind of
5: but yeah, big up Terrorist man and nuisance and yeah, everyone and like urban intelligence and correct minds who know now son's phonetic from Waterford and uh, yeah and Scary Air and Messiah and the Xbox yeah, it's just yeah. a beautiful like yeah a beautiful legacy that I've always tried every time like I was been doing any festivals or in American studios I've always been banging like Boss TV, Lethal Dialect, Costello, yeah, yeah. so I've always been like that's yeah I get, I get a hell of a lot of good energy out of, out of Irish music especially Irish hip-hop.
4: For sure and it's gone from being something in Ireland hip-hop that was very underground to begin with and Like some people, it would have been like, you remember the RT documentary, like some people wouldn't have taken it seriously or some people would have treated it unfairly or tried to put it down. Whereas now Irish hip hop is the buzz, is, is the thing that's going on in Ireland. You look at Ireland's biggest artists like yourself, Kojak, Reggie Snow, it's like all these people came from hip hop backgrounds and they're making some of the most creative and intuitive music we've ever made.
5: Yeah, I'm rightly really so. It was just—it was always inevitable, anyway, man. It was just always inevitable. It always just needed to take one little step where everyone was like, "Oh, it's all right to hear this on tracks," and you know, hear something from home doing something different. Um, and it's just beautiful to see, man. I just wish, you know, and I know there will be just more and more of it, man. It's like I remember when I first started rapping; I was like 15, um, so that was what. 2005 and um, you know I don't remember anyone in my town rapping or I don't remember anyone really in Wexford rapping at the time and uh, I was always going down to Tremor or up to Dublin to do shows and, and to make tunes and stuff like that and now, when I go back home, there's loads of wicked young fellas like coming up and they've got 16 bars. Oh, I've got this wicked voice. Yeah. So I listen to these tunes and, you know, young fella like uh, scriptor from New Ross shooting wicked little videos and the production sounding strong. And it's just, it's, be- it's beautiful to see like from the journey. And I came in, I suppose, 2005. I still came in late, you know, I was midway. It was yeah. already from the scary era, era to what I was doing. Yeah. So to see now the progression 10 years on or whatever, it's, Yeah, it's beautiful to see and and more power to it.
4: Yeah, absolutely amazing. I I think that's about everything. Um, Perfect. Thank you so, so much, Michael, Uh, for your time. And I wish you the absolute best of luck with tonight and with... The rest of the tour and turn you very much, but I appreciate that. Yeah. when I wake up, is out now. They
1: keep you enslaved, but I won't get to kiss our child, but I won't get to see her smile. Little hands, <laughs> can you hold on tight? You saw that never was in her eyes. I don't want to see you misplaced. What the hell are we doing to change things? Politician, can you see this place? I can hear guns in the distance.
2: Thank you, Luke and Maverick Saber, for that enlightening chat. And uh, Maverick Saber's new album is called When I Wake Up. You can check that out on oh, all good deals, please. Now,
0: I interrupt this to bring you breaking news. <laughs> uh oh. Beyonce is to release audio of Lemonade film across all streaming platforms on April 23rd. What? We What's can that why? listen to Lemonade on
2: Spotify. I think it's like this, this strikes of. She just realized Spotify, she opened Spotify for the first time in a couple of years. <laughs> like, oh, because, this is still going. <laughs> because her, her Coachella, um, the audio from the Coachella documentary is on it, yeah. the live show. Uh, and she was like, this is actually grand. Let's yeah. put our music on it.
0: I regularly listen to her song with Jack White, but like I always want to listen to it when I'm out and about. So I have to get it on YouTube and the quality on YouTube is you know,
2: not great. And you also have to hold your phone open. Yeah, I'm like
0: literally holding my phone in my pocket, like touching the screen every now and then so that it doesn't turn off or it doesn't lock because I'm not paying for that YouTube premium thing. It's
2: 12 quid a month.
0: Yeah. Sponsor the podcast, lads. (laughs) But um, yeah. Yeah, Google. Yeah, Google. At Google. (laughs) Come at me. Um, Yeah, we're going to be able to listen to Lemonade like... One of the best albums of the past decade on Spotify. I'm so
2: excited. Your playlists are going to be enriched.
0: It's just going to be, <laughs> it's just going to be Beyonce. What a Beyonce week! I love when Beyonce stuff happens. <laughs> I, I I come into my I come into my own. Uh, anyway, you're, yeah, that was the breaking news bulletin. You're
2: positive and glowing. At least it was a I positive breaking news bulletin. Hey, yeah. maybe yeah. we're moving out of the bad times. Oh, yeah, don't, don't speak too soon. Yeah, oh God. Uh, but still, that's good. That's yes, great. That's delighted. Good. Woo. We can all. Pour, that's a blow for Apple Music, but it, yeah. it did happen to hold on to well, it for Tidal a long, long
0: time. Well, "Title" was her come on first one. I
2: know. Who cares?
0: Because I was actually right recently. I was I was doing the thing where I was listening to it on YouTube in my pocket, and I was like, if, "Would she just dump Jay Z and put her music on Spotify <laughs> already?" This weird, like, it's probably written in their vows somewhere. That she asked to like, oh, no. totally.
2: Yeah, 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 yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, but
0: yeah, very good news.
2: Delighted. So that's good. So that's nearly the end of us this week for this episode of the 909 podcast. Um, yeah. I did a special radio show, uh, as I do every month now for the Patreon subscribers. 23 songs I'm digging in a radio style format, like my old TXFM show. Aww. Also, giving away tickets for Broken Social Scene and C Sessions and a few other things, and those of other content up there. So, so
0: let's get involved. Th- that is
2: something for you to support. If you feel like supporting 909 in some way, do do that on patreon.com forward slash 909. With that plug out of the way, it's time for me to ask, which I already know the answer to. What are you reading and watching this week? I know what you're watching. Mm-hmm. So do you want to start with, with reading or listening?
0: Um listening, I've been listening to Outcast. I've I've been on a bit of a hip-hop hip hop and rap from when I was very young vibe because um, I got into Outcast when I was about 13 or so. And then I went and listened to the Marshall Matters LP, listened to Dre's first album. I was just kind of on that buzz for a couple of days there and been really enjoying it. I feel like I have a lot to say about how Eminem's early music formed a lot of my, I don't know, both internalized misogyny and feminism. So maybe look out for a hot take on that somewhere at some stage.
2: Um we'll give you your own special.
0: Yeah, maybe. Yeah. We'll put that on the Patreon <laughs> to subject the the public to it. But um yeah. It's uh, not where content goes to die. It's no, it's where well it's where all the best content is, let's be honest. Um but yeah, been listening to a, a lot of that uh, Reading, not very much I've been a bit bad with the reading lately
2: Yeah, I'm terrible I want to read Ian Millenny's, uh book Minor Monuments mm-hmm. And Sinead Gleason's book Constellations too. I have bought Constellations Eva started reading said it's brilliant yeah. um, And my friend has read Minor Monuments in a matter of a week And said it's absolutely unreal There's a great interview actually on the Point of Everything podcast With Ian Millenny about it Yeah, Ian was, uh, uh, used to write for State magazine And who uh, writes for a follow media and has actually i didn't even know but he has a like a five-part podcast about the dublin housing crisis on the oh. dublin choir and um, so i started listening to that this morning awesome. but yes to read his book also really looking forward to see, to reading ronan hessian aka moment death rose debut novel hearing good things about that don't know when i'm going to find the time to do this because i am terrible at reading okay I yeah. am. I'm terrible at reading. Do
0: you set yourself like a do you do the Goodreads challenge of 50 books a year or anything like that? Or? 50 books a year? No. Yeah. no i way. I'm, I'm doing that. Up until year. like a
2: year and a half ago, I only read music books again. Yeah. That was all I was doing. I used to like fiction was my my jam when I was like eight, eight to 18, mm. eight to 16. And then I just stopped reading fiction completely. Yeah. And now I'm like, all these books by people that I actually know are, and they're yeah. releasing them. And I'm like, wow, I should read them. And then yeah. I was like, I'm just like that thing. I do that thing where I'm like, I read four pages and I start falling asleep. Yeah, not I know, because like, it's boring, but because for of me, I'm like the once, act of reading. Once I, read I get into Yorker.
0: it, I'm like, I'm in it. But it's just finding the time to actually start a book. Um, is hard. I really want to re- read uh, Sarah Maria Griff's new one because I really liked her first book. Um,
2: oh, there's yeah, loads. Never I've read her books. I have never. We have. I have a copy of Philly Taggart's uh, Slacker. Um, yeah. guide to the music industry. You haven't read that either yet, so I have like yeah a list as long as your arm. But just the other thing is that like list. I have that New Yorker problem. I've got six copies of the New Yorker to read, and I'm trying to dig into them and like I can avoid. It's that perennial problem for me. It's like mm. I'll just read some of this and then discard it, so I can yeah. move on and listen and read other stuff. But they just keep coming every. Week. Yes.
0: Uh, So yeah, reading has been bad, but watching, I've been quite good. Um, (laughs) So I watched, I'd say most of the first season of Fleabag and I really, really like it. That's for the
2: first time, yeah.
0: First time, yeah. It hasn't, so I watched it because the, the season two finale happened and everybody collectively lost their goddamn minds and were very affected by it and like I saw people saying that it was you know the best finale that's ever been made in television and all this sorts of stuff and I was like right I'm getting on board I really like season one but it hasn't you know I'm not like grabbed just yet but I feel like the impression I'm getting is that season two is better than season one
2: is that right um yeah I would say so um maybe a lot of hyperbole for the ending but um it is a great episode but it's you know okay that hype train I'll again. I'll
0: rein in my expectations. That
2: right? No, it's really good. It okay. is really good, and it subverts kind of an ending mm. and gives you a sort of satisfying conclusion, but okay. not maybe what you would expect. Perhaps. Yeah. Yeah. It's so really good. so
0: far, I I just think it's very very funny. Yeah. It's very funny,
2: and um, we've also you've been look going back. In, well, it, it's obviously started now, the last season of Game of Thrones. Spoil- spoilers
0: from this point on in the podcast, maybe. Will we give us, well, spoilers at least for let season two? Me, let me two just say I've been of listening,
2: of listening to M83's back catalogue. Have you? Yeah. That's so random. I don't know if it is.
0: <laughs> I just feel like they haven't been in the news or anything in a very long time.
2: <laughs> so what?
0: Yeah, that's no, Absolutely, You fair. may
2: remember from Friday Night, I did play Midnight City at one point. I don't. I think you you were pretty I'm pretty sure you were there. <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty sure you were there dancing near the front.
3: <sighs> Me. And no. I
2: played Midnight City by Omy Tree and then I was like, oh I was just spent a couple of days before that and afterwards listening to their back catalogue. Cool. So that happened. So isn't that uh, but yes, if anyone hasn't watched Game of Thrones, can not much we can really spoil. Yeah. I guess. Well, I mean,
0: I, I'm going to talk a little bit about seasons one and two. So if you haven't seen them, yeah, switch off spoilers now. Spoilers
2: all the way. Yeah, dudes. spoilers.
0: So um, as I said last week, my boyfriend Harry hadn't ever seen Game of Thrones, knew nothing about it. Asked me, "Was there a dragon?" So I was like, "You know, let's let's sit down and watch Game <laughs> of Thrones." Thrilled to inform you all that um, he's very very much <laughs> enjoying it, and I'm really enjoying going back and watching it. Um, it's so, a big commitment
2: though, isn't it? It is.
0: Like going back and caring about Ned Stark is an undertaking, to say the least. It's it's very strange, but I, I thought it would be harder than it was. Um, at the beginning, you're just kind of struck by how young everybody is and nobody knows anything and... Renly Baratheon, <laughs> like, oh God, my, my true king. But yeah, been really, really enjoying going yeah, back that and so, watching it. Like I
2: said earlier on, dude, that was so long ago. And even so remember long. who Renly Baratheon was. I
0: know. Yeah. I had to explain to you who he was. It's like, do you remember Stannis? No. Do you remember Melisandra? Kind of.
2: <laughs> but yeah, um, I remember her and I remember Stannis, but I couldn't remember what Stannis looked like because he was so annoying.
0: Yeah. I hate Stannis. hate him. Um But yeah, the big news this week is that, Game of Thrones has returned, season one, or season eight, episode one. Yeah. Thoughts? After a busy
2: weekend, I decided to stay up and watch it at 2am. Won't be doing that again. No. Because it was just too late <laughs> and it wrecked my day the next day. Yeah. But I, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. It, it put all the chess pieces in into place, got all the reunions out of the way, set up some uh, potential plot lines for... Um, Relationships mostly, and mm-hmm. that um, to come. And um, if anything, it just showed you at the moment how uh, vulnerable and alone the Queen Cersei is. That's yeah. really what I got out of it. Yeah. Cersei, she's quite like she asked Bronn to um, assassinate to assassinate her brother and also her um, the father of her child.
0: If that message did in fact come from her,
2: and is she even pregnant? <gasps> is she? Is she not?
0: For me, it was yeah. I I I enjoyed the the hour or so to just have a recap of okay, this person is here and this person is on their way here, and here here's a reunion. And I I really really enjoyed. Um, and it's only something I spotted because I very recently watched season one, the opening shot of the new episode with the the young boy running through the streets and then climbing the tree to look at. Who was it was arriving in? Uh, Daenerys and John and all, all that crowd were arriving into Winterfell, and that is like a, a real hark back to uh, Bran. In I think it's episode one when uh, of season one when the Lannisters are coming, he's like running and he's, he's climbing a tree and he's seen what all I think the it was Aria, about. Was it Arya? Oh, was that? it Arya? Yeah, yeah. 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 And um, yeah, I, I really enjoyed that little throwback. Um, John and Daenerys, I, I'm i so about it happening to the point that I nearly don't care that she's <laughs> his aunt. I'm just like, ah, oh, you know, worse things have happened. Like, it's it's fine. I like them together. I think yeah. they're kind of, they're well, fun. They're di- their kiss was a bit Disney when
2: they ran off oh, to the it, yeah. cliff and with stuff. The, with the dragon yeah. seething in the That background. was really funny, actually. Um, And then one thing I didn't realise is, like, Sam... Well, Tarly not his name? Yes. Mm. Um, his, that his, his that uh, Daenerys had obviously killed um, and set fire to <laughs> with his dragons family. to his family mm. and just delivered this song. He was fantastic in that scene. Yeah. Like
0: it was all in his eyes. He jumped from one emotion to another so quickly. Like he was brilliant, proper standout performance. Like, yeah. oh, so good.
2: And then Bran is the um, the vibe killer always. <laughs>
1: so funny. The
0: memes that have come out of that. He's just like, yeah, there's literally no, like, but to be fair, he's right. He's like, there's no time for any of this. Well, everybody cop on? The White Walkers are coming. Um, the other thing that I loved was, and they've been really good with this throughout the seasons, was the opening credits and as castles and, and places rise and fall, the opening credits will reflect that. I thought the wall in the opening credits with the big hole in it was just beautiful. Like I right, yeah, yeah. was like fangirling all over it. <laughs> big fan of the opening
2: credits generally, but
0: oh, it's just so good. I so have happy to say to have back.
2: for wor- for worrying about spoilers. Had I not seen it, I don't think I would have seen too much about it. But maybe there wasn't much in this episode. Mm. If it had been a big like red wedding style one, you would like, have, yeah. it would have been ruined. For
0: if you. somebody said to me, like the biggest spoiler you could have gotten um, would be that John finds out that he's the um, heir to the throne and that he's a Targaryen, and if that was spoiled for me, I'd be like, well, yeah, so what? That I don't, would, I don't was really common. care. It was coming, like yeah, it was fine
2: for sure. Um, um, but yeah, you found out that. Thorman, is that his name? He, he's still alive? Yes. All them lads from yeah. the wall are still Love alive. Love them. Um, And the spiral death stuff. Did
0: you there. get the fright of your life when the child started screaming? The lad. St- oh, oh, I, I saw,
2: saw his eyes flicker to, to blue, so <gasps> I, I knew it was coming. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I
0: didn't see his eyes. It and was, then it just was this was totally
2: out of focus. Oh, but, my God. Uh, really well done.
0: I, d- um, I nearly jumped out of my chair. It was terrifying.
2: I think it sets it up really well. It seems like the next one is going to be. I think what's happening in the next one is the start of the battle between mm. the White Walkers, but I don't think you're getting the full one. Well, what what I, I imagine... Think I think the next episode is actually the full one.
0: What I imagine happening is that the battle with the White Walkers happens midway through the season and then the remaining episodes will be focused on recollecting and actually like politically deciding who is going to be the... King or queen of the Seven Kingdoms, if the Seven Kingdoms even survive, all of that kind of very good political stuff that they do. I hope they, it well, happens after it's not the Great have Battle. Two,
2: two, three episodes of that.
0: But there might be. You they, think? Yeah, they've had many, many. Like when you think about the amount of airtime the White Walkers have actually gotten in the seven seasons so far, it's not that much.
2: Yeah, they're just a MacGuffin, just an allegory just, for climate change. It's yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah, which is just great. Oh, it's so good.
2: Who do you think is going to win Game of Thrones?
0: Who's is going to even, sit on the? Is there going to be a winner? Um, if if I was to guess now, who I'd want to win would be I'd like Jon Snow to be king, um, ideally with Daenerys as his queen, but
2: that feels almost too Disney like. to does, where yeah. Game of Thrones, is but that's where
0: I'm at point. emotionally. Yeah. Uh, whoever it is, I want Tyrion to be hand. Because um, I think he he makes a better hand to the throne than he might a king um, But I don't know
2: I guess it's too early to say I Even know. now with, with just five long episodes to go I know, I'm so we'll, excited We'll probably do this next week and the following week and the week after Yeah, the
0: next few weeks are just going to be a little Game of Thrones special at the end
2: At the end, yeah, fuck yeah. okay, it, why not all right, that's it from us this week. And uh, thank you for tuning in and do to tell this your music fans. podcast yes, that we have. <laughs> Watch the throne. Um and uh yeah. Okay, fine. It's fine. Don't worry about it. Sure no one's listened anyway, but in any the episode, it's fine.
4: <laughs> Is there anybody? There?
2: Not true. Uh, <laughs> we'll finish with a track from Ryan Vale and Owen Callahan, aka Elm Orchestra. They have released a couple of songs so far from their uh, Borders album. Kind of finding uh, the common ground between uh, ambient, electronic and neoclassical music, but also uh, talking about the border physically between hmm. Derry and Londonderry. my um, Brennan was on their first track um, that was released last month. And the song we're about to play is called Arrival. Very different vibe. Much more Chiasmos and Niels Ram vibe going on this. It's a long one and it's worth listening to all the way to the end so do enjoy it this is uh, Ryan Vale and Owen Callahan uh, I'm an orchestra and Ryan Vale as a song called Arrival from Borders and that's it for us this week bye bye